0: From our nation's capital, this is NAPSChat. Chat. I'm going right to down and write myself a letter and make believe it came from you. Hi, this is Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors, and welcome to this week's edition of NAPSChat. Chat. We're going to be talking about three different venues of postal discussion uh, in this week's episode. The first uh, venue is Capitol Hill, where a number of uh, events occurred that impact our members, and one which will uh, take place next week that will definitely impact our members. The second venue is the Postal Regulatory Commission, and the third venue is Postal Headquarters in the Ben Franklin Room, where the Board of Governors met this week. First, let's turn our attention to Capitol Hill. This week, the House of Representatives passed H.R. 2382, the United States Postal Service Fairness Act. This legislation would repeal the requirement that the Postal Service pre-fund its future retiree health benefits. That legislation passed by an overwhelming 309 to 106 votes. Let me repeat that. 309 to 106. It's important to note that no Democrats voted against this bill at the same time. There were 87 Republicans who voted in favor of the bill, 105 opposed the bill, and one independent opposed the bill, Justin Amash from Michigan. Three Republicans who sit on the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee voted in favor of the bill, and those three members included Bob Gibbs of Ohio, Carol Miller of West Virginia, and Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota. Now, on the floor of the House of Representatives managing the bill for the Democrats and for those in support of the legislation was the chairman of the House Oversight and Reform Committee, Carolyn Maloney of New York, leading the charge against the legislation is the new ranking member of the House Oversight and Reform Committee, and that is Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows is replacing Congressman Jim Jordan, who had been the ranking member of the committee. But Jim Jordan has left the Oversight and Reform Committee to assume the ranking position on the House Judiciary Committee because the the former uh, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee – Doug Hollins has resigned his se- that, that position in order to run for Senate in Georgia. Coming back to those who spoke in favor of the legislation on the floor of the House, we had, speaking in favor, the author of the bill, Congressman Pete DeFazio of o- Oregon, Congressman Jerry Conley, who chairs the subcommittee with jurisdiction over the Postal Service, and he's from Virginia, Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky of Illinois, Congressman Earl Blumenauer of Oregon, Congressman Steve Lynch of Massachusetts, Republican members speaking in favor of the bill included Rodney Davis of Illinois, as well as his colleague from Illinois, Mike Bost, and finally, Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania. Besides Congressman Mark Meadows, the only Republican speaking against the legislation was Congresswoman Virginia Fox from North Carolina. The reason that Mr. Meadows argued against the bill, at least he articulated this on the floor of the House, was that he believed that this legislation did not address the underlying problems plaguing the United States Postal Service and that he – indicated that although this provision had been in past incarnations of postal reform legislation, he believed a much broader piece of legislation is indicated and absolutely essential. Hence, he was not going to support or vote for this modest proposal. Speaking in favor of the legislation, uh, Carolyn Maloney, while conceding the fact that this is not a cure-all for the, uh, for the p- problems plaguing the United States Postal Service, indicated that this is a step in the right direction. It is a modest approach, and it corrects a problem that uh, dates back to the 2006 Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act. That position was articulated by the other individuals who spoke in favor of the bill, particularly Jerry Connolly and Steve Lynch, and as well as the author, bill's author, Peter DeFazio. What is interesting also is that at a Postal Board of Governors meeting, which took place late Thursday afternoon, Governor Dave Williams, in questioning the, finan- the chief financial officer, Mr. Corbett, at the postal-, postal Service, asked if there was not a requirement to pre-fund the future retiree health benefits, uh, how that would affect postal finances and Mr. Corbett responded that approximately $1.5 billion in losses that were accounted for in fiscal year 2019 would have been taken off the ledgers. Hence, although it does not improve the Postal Service's cash flow, it would improve the Postal Service's financial position. In any case, the legislation, as I said, would repeal the requirement to prefund future retiree health benefits and That legislation, although it passed the House, faces an uncertain future in the United States Senate. Uh, There is a Senate bill, S-2965, introduced by Senator Steve Daines from Montana and Brian Schatz from Hawaii. And also, Ben Cardin of Maryland is a co-sponsor of that legislation. However, that is the sole identifiable support of the legislation at this point. We need to garner more co-sponsors in the Senate for this legislation. And even with increased senatorial co-sponsorship, it faces potential opposition by the chairman of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, Ron Johnson, who is waiting for a comprehensive postal reform bill to come out of the House of Representatives. The strategy that might be employed in order to move this legislation Particularly, the House passed legislation would be to attach it to a must-pass bill that uh, could sort of uh, circumvent the normal committee process, and in that case, uh, go directly to the Senate floor and hopefully be enacted. As we, as I said at the outset of the discussion. H.R. 2382, a 2 even if it were to be adopted, does not solve the problems or all the problems facing the United States Postal Service. It doesn't solve its liquidity problem. It doesn't solve innovation. It doesn't solve a dysfunctional rate-setting process. It doesn't necessarily explicitly protect universal service or is an effective failsafe against attempts by the administration to privatize the United States Postal Service. Nonetheless, it is a small step in the right direction and indicates that Congress does recognize, at least the House of Representatives at this point, recognizes the financial conditions that are plaguing the United States Postal Service, in part due to the requirement in the 2006 legislation. The second issue I would like to talk about, again, it would take place on Capitol Hill, is that on Monday, President Trump will submit to Congress his fiscal year 2021 budget proposal. What we uh, anticipate is more of the same, that is, similar proposals that were offered to Congress around a year ago. The Change that occurs this year is that the federal budget deficit has escalated to $1 trillion, meaning that federal and postal employees are definitely in the crosshairs. Uh, we've been in the crosshairs in the past and been targets in the past, but with a $1 trillion budget deficit, that creates some extra incentive for the White House and for budget hawks to look at federal and postal employees as a means to reduce the federal deficit. So what types of proposals can we be looking for in the budget submission that will take place on Monday? I would expect that we will once again see a proposal to increase the employee contributions to the federal retirement system, and that is a pay cut to all current federal and postal employees. The magnitude of that cut has yet to be, be seen, and we will be very vigilant and go through the budget proposal with a fine-tooth comb to find out what that amount is. Also, we can expect a proposal to cut the civil service retirement system cost of living adjustment for CSRS retirees. On top of that, as in the past, we should anticipate that the administration will propose to eliminate the cost of living adjustment for federal employee retirement system, annuitants, FERS annuitants. We can expect that also, since that was in previous budget submissions by this administration. One of the other proposals that was made was to eliminate the FERS supplement. The Federal Employees Retirement System supplement is a supplemental retirement annuity that is granted to individuals who retire from federal service prior to reaching the age of Social Security eligibility. So it helps make up the difference between what they would get with Social Security and FERS combined, in contrast to FERS alone. And the last proposal that I think we should anticipate is a rehash of the proposal to reduce the interest earned for Thrift Savings Plan participants who have invested in the G fund, the government government fund, the G fund which invests in treasury securities. This would have been a substantial hit to the earned income or earned retirement income that would be accrued by these individuals. Other proposals that we could potentially see in a fiscal year 2021 budget submission might very well impact the United Postal Service directly. In the past, we've seen proposals to reduce frequency of delivery from six to five days and other options that uh, could have an impact on postal operations. Who knows, there might be a proposal in there in terms of privatizing the postal service. Also, in the past, the uh, budget submission has argued for increase in parcel rates, particularly targeting Amazon.com. The other venue which I mentioned, postal activity this week, was the Postal Regulatory Commission. On Monday, this past Monday, there was the filing deadline for initial comments to the Postal Regulatory Commission relating to the new rate-setting system which it has proposed. That new proposal, in part, and this is what interests the National Association of Postal Supervisors, is a proposal that would maintain the Consumer Price Index for Urban Consumers, that is the CPIU, continue using that as the basis for future rate adjustments for market-dominant postal products. The modified proposal being made by the PRC would take the CPIU and adjust it or provide the Postal Service increased flexibility by factoring into that CPIU adjustment the requirement to prefund future retiree health benefits that means it would give a slight boost to rates in order to account for the prefunding requirement and also a proposal to adjust the rate to take into account falling mail volume per delivery point because it is becoming more expensive to deliver per each to each delivery point because there's less mail volume per delivery point The last factor that the Postal Regulatory Commission is considering as part of its proposal is a performance-based right enhancement. That is, the Postal Service would have the opportunity to achieve increased rate flexibility based on successful performance, that is, assuming they're able to meet certain goals that are set by the Postal Regulatory Commission with regard to such uh, factors as on-time delivery, wait time at postal facilities, and so forth. So we're going to be looking at that. The National Association of Postal Supervisors did submit its comments last Friday uh, with regard to this proposal. Our comments focused on the CPIU. That is, we argued that the consumer price index for urban consumers is not the appropriate index by which to adjust postal rates. Rather, we suggest that another rate, a rate that already exists and is, is calibrated by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and that would be the consumer price index for delivery services. That is, what is the price increases experienced in the delivery services industry. Couriers, messengers such as UPS, FedEx, and others, what have their rates been over a period of time? And that rate should be more reflective of how postage rates should be adjusted. As a point of context, since the enactment of the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act in 2006 the cpiu has increased by approximately 3.9% over the, the 13-year period since enactment of that law in contrast the cpi for delivery services has increased by approximately 11.3%. so the postal service would have had significantly greater rate flexibility had it used the cpi for delivery services rather than the cpi for uh, urban consumers. And I should say, when you measure the consumer price index for urban consumers, you are evaluating the total market basket of products purchased by urban consumers. That's from toilet tissues to automobiles to toothpaste to housing costs and so forth. And the question is, how is that applicable to postage? And postage, we would suggest, should be more reflective of what is going on in the courier and messenger industry, the delivery service industry, industry, rather than in consumer products. The last venue I'd like you to, uh, like to, ex- to look at is what happened at the Postal Board of Governors this past Thursday, that is, yesterday. The Postal Board of Governors convened for its first meeting of 2020— and interestingly enough, and not surprisingly enough, Postmaster General Megan Brennan continues to participate in Board of Governor activities uh, since she is still uh, the Postmaster General of the United States Postal Service. Uh, one of the reports provided at the meeting was uh, by Governor John Barger, who heads up a committee that is leading the search process for a, two, for a new Postmaster General. And he said, and I quote, that right now a robust search process is ongoing. He did not give any indication that they are in the final stages, beginning stages, or middle stages of that process. He just indicated that a robust process is ongoing. The takeaway from the meeting is that the Postal Service still is suffering financial losses. However, what was heralded at the meeting was that performance for the first quarter of fiscal year 2000 20, which ended on December 31st and included this past holiday season mailing, was an extraordinary success, that there were improvements across the board in on-time delivery, that they were able to cut additional work hours and make the Postal Service more efficient during that period of time. Another interesting takeaway from the Postal Board of Government meetings was uh, a a report by Governor David Williams, who laid out his eva- how he intends to evaluate strategic planning in his, since he is chairman of the committee in charge of strategic planning. And he indicated that they are going to analyze strategically, are they going to trifurcate, tri- that is trifurcate the postal system, that is anal- create a matrix with three categories of mail and three points in the mail processing system. They're going to evaluate independently how letter mail is treated, how flats are treated, and how packages are treated. During this evaluation, what they're looking at is the first mile, the middle mile, which is the first mile being acceptance, the middle mile being processing, and the last mile being delivery. So each one of those points in the process of each type of mail will be evaluated independently, and the, the strategy for deployment of new means of dealing with these types of mail might be considered independently of one another. With that, that is a lot to chew over for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the NAPS legislative training seminar is coming in about a month. So if you haven't registered yet, please do so. The registration uh, information is online. With that, I wish you all a great weekend. I'm going to sit right down And write myself A letter And make